And here we go. Let's see if it's working. I got a lot of buttons to click. And here we go. Let's see if it's working. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA and the NOMA. And we're going to be talking about social media, AI, some other fun stuff, but also a great call to action test. You want to hang on to the end. And I want to thank everybody for the reposts on LinkedIn. It seems to really make this thing pop. And what that really means is I have 13,000 first level connections. Some of them get to see it. It gets put in their stream. And the more LinkedIn puts it in their stream, the more impressions I get. It's a circular thing. The rich get richer. And so if you're a supporter of direct mail, uh, you're going to want to hang on and you're going to want to repost it to your friends. So here we go. Okay, first, let's have a little fun. We're going to look at the uh, at the Great British Bake Off latest promo. Here it goes. Turn it up a little. Okay, so all the ingredients are are making their journey to the uh, the Great British Bake Off. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's rainy, which affects the bakers quite a bit and how they the recipes turn out because they're playing in a tent, which makes it really hard, I would think. You know, it's only limited limited climate control. Then they break an egg and all the ingredients cheer because they know they're working together to make something wonderful, wonderfully baked. And here's the crazy cast. Everyone's excited. Which is pretty crazy. Even except them. there's one old the white guy British that I like. On Channel 4, coming soon. Backstory by Ellen Ormisher from The Drum. Upon reaching the tent, the, se- the sweet ingredients accomplish their dream before the finished cake is devoured by the judges and presenters, including new host Allison Hammond. I noticed that there was a new person in the cast. Yes, I saw that. Okay. Let's just underline that. The 60-second trailer is set to Belinda Carlisle's track, Heaven is a Place on Earth, which I'm not sure about. (laughs) Theologically, I'm not not so sure. It could be. It's a start. C.S. Lewis said, said, those destined for heaven are as as close to hell as they will ever get, and those destined for hell are as close to heaven as they'll ever get, probably, in this world. So you can think about that. (laughs) Always too much to think about today. Everyone's excited, even them. Uh, it evokes the familiar feelings, joy, anticipation of the annual bake-off brings to so many viewers. And my wife and I do watch that together. It's one of the few things we sit and watch together. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> bake-off is a very special thing. It stands to reason that even those getting cracked, mixed, whipped, and dipped on the name of the show of a showstopper are equally excited about its return. So anyway, uh, the team have created a lot of fun. Uh, so anyway, nobody can resist the absor- allure of the bake-off, even the ingredients themselves. Okay, I'm not sure that's true, of course, but we do watch it together, and it's a lot of fun. And so here it goes. Okay, now here's an interesting one that I didn't expect. Of course, I don't work with AI data sets. AI-generated data sets. This is from The Hustle. Juliet Bennett 
Ryla, which I don't think we've used her articles before. Model collapse is when regenerative AI models train on AI-generated content. And this is one of the problems with a lot of the stuff that's done in digital because they don't really have a complete data set. They don't, they don't have it, okay? And so um, a, an example that I'm a little bit familiar with is when COVID started hitting, they, they looked at populations that weren't getting it, okay? And part of the way they found um, ivermectin uh, and part of the reason that they also found HCQ was that uh, people with severe rheumatoid arthritis, I think it was, were taking HCQ and were not getting, were not getting um, COVID. Okay, so it was kind of like a back test. It was kind of like the, they sent the AI out and said, here's a big data set. They have data sets of millions of people and what they've been diagnosed with and what prescriptions they're on. Uh, and anonymized, and then they can go looking for something. But of course, you know, sometimes they're biased in what they're looking for. And so the AI creates the data set, and then we can compare it with the general population. But even that sample set can be difficult. So uh, what happens is, is that if the AI is generating the data set, it could be a circular argument, could be self-fulfilling. For example, we um, long ago at the Hudson Bay Company, we thought we had a super home run before we really knew what we were, <laughs> what we were doing. Uh, we had created a system that allowed the Hudson Bay uh, National Credit Office to, to offer, to look into their data and model for a specific offer. So one of the offers we were modeling for was, um, was trips. They sold you know, in, stuffed in the, in, the, in the monthly bill, they might have a, a, a cut sheet for a trip to um, Cancun, let's say. And, um, and so we, we started modeling and we looked at the differences in customers that went on the trips versus customers that didn't. And we, we thought we had a home run. I mean, we basically found a one-to-one -one correspondence or correlation between people who had a $3,000 plus credit limit in their in the national credit uh, database and 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 people who didn't if you if you didn't have a high enough credit limit then you didn't go on a trip and so we said now we can predict the future now we can predict who to market to everybody with a higher than $3,000 credit limit so we called up the client and said here we go this is really a money maker you know, it's and again, back in the day, you say something like, you know, uh, you only need to market to the people with a three thousand dollar credit limit. But anyway, then they explained to us that most people don't have a three thousand dollar credit limit at the Hudson Bay. You know, they're buying groceries and stuff. The individual purchase levels are not that high, but they buy often. OK, and they pay their bill often, mostly. They said. If someone wants to take a credit or, or take a take a trip, in order to put it on their Hudson Bay card, we have to raise their credit limit. <laughs> so it's true that 100% of the people that buy the trips have a higher credit limit because we have to raise their credit limit just to, for them to go on the trip. That's the kind of circular stuff that can happen.
And there's more circular stuff. I can tell you many stories of how we learned modeling the hard way. Um, so, uh, Ilya, Ilya Shumilov says, a model receives a data set containing 90 yellow objects and 10 blue ones. Because there are more yellow objects, it begins to turn the blue objects greenish. Over time, when it's generating data, over time, it forgets the blue objects exist as an alternate population. With each generation of synthetic data, outliers disappear. And the trouble is, and this happens in regression also, that, they're, the, that the statisticians are trained to remove the outliers and look for, um, and, and also remove the... Uh, the collinear variables that move move both move together, like education and income is a good example, or income and dwelling value is another good example. Um, they they remove all of the redundant variables, but the problem is when you run a model over time, whatever model variables you use one in year one, in year two, you've already removed some of the outliers. Okay, so if you really want to be objective about it, you got to use alternate variables, which is why you want to keep those around, okay? Why we use hundreds of variables instead of five or six in our models, okay? And so there's a lot of nuances, but one of the biggest, and one of the reasons mail is a solution to this, and one of the reasons we were successfully able to model for year after year after year for some of the biggest catalogers in the country was because in mail, we know the engaged non-buyer, I was talking with uh, with a uh, a digital marketing expert, and I was I was explaining that mail has some advantages in matchback, but I said the biggest advantage is that we know who we mailed, we know that they engaged because you have to make a decision to throw something away. You have to look at it enough to enough to that, and your brain has more physical receptors than it has visual, ten times more, and so there is more engagement with males non-buyers than there is with the people who don't realize that they've just been exposed to a digital ad. You don't know who saw it and you don't know who was paying attention. In mail, you know both. And that gives us a human-generated null set to compare with our buyers. Okay, And now we can eliminate this, well, maybe they didn't see it variable, which is prominent in mass media. And we can go directly to the they saw it and they decided no versus they saw it and they decided yes. And what's the real difference between the buyers and the non-buyers? Okay, so the bottom line is don't train AI on AI-generated content. Use mail. And that is the truth. Just as we've strewn the oceans with plastic trash and filled the atmosphere with carbon dioxide, well, that's not really true. It's mostly volcanoes and the ocean releasing it. But anyway, so we're about to fill the Internet with blah, said Ross Anderson, a security expert and co-author of Shumilov's paper. So will AI inevitably go haywire? Probably, unless you have some way to ground it back into reality. And um, I have a really great article, but I'm running out of time and I want to get to, well, let's go over here. Okay, TechCrunch. Really thought-provoking article by Rima Broshaner, oh well, anybody, Rima, <laughs> founder and CEO of Dialogue. And what she said is, is that um, 
Merely weeks after the apparent error to to address social media's woes, uh, Meta went from 100 million users in less than five days, partly because if you were an Instagram or Facebook user, you were on it, whether you liked it or not, really. Uh, but most or many people, 100, 100 million users, went and checked it out. Um, so all of a sudden, in five days, they had 100 million users, but now they have about 20 million. Um, 80% drop, and not only just in the number of visitors, but also the engagement of the visitors. So Zuckerberg says he's going to put retention hooks in. They're going to not let you hang up the app, I guess. I don't know. They're going to keep it on while you're sleeping. So only a month after launch, users are already lamenting over the platform burnout. And what she talks about in here is that, is that, um, in the early days of social media, we the, the 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 mission was just to connect people. I remember sitting in my easy chair and talking or chatting, texting back and forth, sort of, with a with a with an Air Force pilot from South Africa. You know, live, real time, we're chatting back and forth. In the 80s, uh, I was on a thing called Exec PC, and it had the largest file. Uh, repository for you know free uh pc software in the world and it was based here in milwaukee i got on it when it had a hundred or when it had 10 no four four phone lines and i knew the guy who founded it a little bit i'd never i never did meet him but you know i knew who he was and we we would talk on the phone sometimes and uh so the idea of of a connection across the the world, you know, with just a swipe of the mouse, imagine how the other side of the world could be a single swipe away, right? The That was real to me, and it was really interesting. Now, I don't remember ever connecting with that particular guy again, but, you know, I did end up on CompuServe, and then I ended up on Prodigy. Uh, I was in Bob Stone's class for direct marketing, and we had free access to um, I don't remember. I think it was we had free access to to CompuServe, and I used it more than all the rest of the class put together. Um, but social platforms have evolved away from their early models to find new revenue streams and expand their audiences, leaving users with new things to do and consume instead of people to connect with. Uh, it's become a global town square. And uh, there's consumption via e-commerce and social echo chambers, right? Uh, Facebook's marketplace feature, as an example, I, you know, I have bought cars on it, you know, and other things. Uh, Craigslist and marketplace both kind of work. Um, but what it, what uh, the author, what was her name? Rima? Rima? Rima says is that uh, it's reduced our dependency on on the communities around us. You know, I don't really know my neighbors, to be honest. You know, I know some people around the world more than I know my neighbors. Um, and half of U.S. adults report experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Now, of course, I, when I was single, I was lonely, and that's another epidemic of singleness, right? I mean, there's nothing like a real hug to, as you leave the house for the day and a real hug when you get get home again. 
There's nothing like it. Not not on social media that I've ever found, and I'm a pretty big user, I suppose. So loneliness is not just about social media. But I think what I wanted to say was that this is a reason why the new generations are embracing mail. Because they're tangible, you know. They can be heavy. They can be, you know, an adventure. It's it's and it's physical in the physical world. Watched a really good, really thought-provoking movie, uh, Gran Turismo, I think it was called. It's about a video game. It's about video game players that are that are that are asked to compete and then leave the video world and and race cars in the real world. And and it actually happened. It's based on a true story. We're going to find out how much of it's true and how much of it isn't. But fantastic. It's a fantastic story, and and, uh, and my wife said not only was it was it thought provoking, but it was also uh, entertaining. She didn't know anything; she never heard of the Twenty Four Hours of Le Mans, for example. Um, amazing, amazing. But we're we're wired for the real world, and that's why direct mail, I think, resonates so much more these days than it did even twenty years ago. Okay, now, big test. This is from Craig Huey, and uh, he said that he he set up a test. It's, it's common to finish a survey or shopping cart information gathering with a field called, sub, or uh, with a submit button, which says submit on it, right? Like you're done, hit submit. And it's used everywhere, and many would assume that's because it works. So let's put it to the test. In this A-B test, two checkout pages were identical in every way except for the submit button. One says submit and the other says go to payment options. Beautiful. Isolation of causal variables. The offer is the same. The copy is the same. The layout and design are the same. One difference. Could that make a difference? Well, obviously they had a hypothesis that said it might. And guess what? I picked the wrong one. I figured because everybody has submit, that's probably it. The test revealed that go-to payment options had a whopping 87.5 more click-throughs than the plain and simple submit. Why? Okay, now this is the explanation. And if the explanation holds through a few more tests, you might want to go with it forever. But I wouldn't assume that this will work on your website. I would assume that it's a good test for your website. Okay? Both are commands with an implied you orientation. In other words, you submit it. <laughs> you hit click here. You hit done. Okay? Go to payment options provides a specific direction that doesn't have the implication of commitment behind it. You know, like when I on the stock trading site it says preview. Okay, I'm comfortable with preview. And if it comes out the way I want, I'll go ahead with it. Well, it doesn't always. Sometimes I make huge math errors and I think, oh, brother, it's a good thing I didn't, I didn't have a million dollars to put onto that stock. <laughs> My account isn't that big. Okay, and often commitment comes with fear. Lesson, great copy is infused with specifics. That's true. Claude Hopkins, scientificadvertising.com. So that is a nugget worth following this channel have a great day like and share repost your friends will know you're very smart bye bye